Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Very good Saturday morning to you. Enjoy that car as much as possible or know more about cars. That's what we do here every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 here on uh, KKNW and also online in our various social media outlets. Uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, Facebook, where we put things up like, yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? And we put things up like, uh, you know, little interesting facts that uh, or, or things that I uh, come across during the week when I'm doing my research for the show so that you you know, you get an idea of what's uh, what's going on out there in the automotive world. And there's many facets to it. And even if you are just somebody who gets in their car and drives it and really wants nothing else to do with it, or you're a, an enthusiast, somebody who shows up on a rainy morning like this uh, to Cars and Coffee and Shoreline, you still get something, I hope, out of this show. You can always contact us. At, uh, of course, Vinny at drivetime-radio.com. That's our email address where you can always get me and I answer back all my emails. And if you have a question, if you're going to buy a car or you need some information or something like that, we're always here for you. We want to be your uh, car talking buddy as, uh, you know, as, as we go through this journey, this fascinating time in automobiles together. I mean, when you, when you think about what is going on right now in the automotive world, and I'm talking about the electrification of America's automobiles. We live in a time right now that must have been this, uh, you know, the same as when Benz and Ford and Oldsmobile and, and all of these people were building cars because you're in this great wide open territory that dictates new stuff all the time. And whether you love or hate electric cars, whether you think it's a fad, and I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you it's not a fad, but whether you think it is or not, they are uh, electric cars, electric vehicles are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. And well, it's probably something you shouldn't use when you're talking about a car, but certainly the, the concept of electric cars right now is in its infancy. Uh, companies are learning as they are going along. And we here at Drive Time, I certainly have for many years believed, as a matter of fact, I believed when GM put out that EV1 back in the 90s that those cars, those electric cars, were then and are now the wave of the future. They just needed, uh, you know, certain things to fall into place for them. And, uh, you know, with the uh, coming of uh, the Prius, the hybrids from Toyota, the coming of all of the different uh, electrics that we see now and the ones that are coming down the pipe, it's a fascinating time. And you look at these cars, and whether you, you look at a, a, a PHEV, which is a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle that has a motor in there so that, it, you know, a gasoline motor. So at least you have some comfort for your range anxiety that you may have, which uh, obviously is something that many people still have around these cars, uh, which will, I think, go away as the charging stations and the methods of charging get better and become more uh, available to people. You know, now you pull into a parking lot at, uh, let's say, the newly opened Amazon Fresh up here on, on Aurora Avenue, and there's a couple of charges there. Uh, you pull into uh, PCC, and there's a couple of charges there. We will see the day in the not-too-distant future when you pull into one of these parking lots and there are rows of chargers. Uh, that'll be a way that they incentivize you to get into the store. 
is you come in just as you see rows of gas pumps at Costco or Fred Meyer or Safeway. So you will see rows of chargers that'll be able to uh, charge your vehicle. You know, I'm not a big fan of Elon Musk, but Musk had the right idea when he put Teslas out there. He said, I, you know, I'm going to put these cars out, these electric cars, but I'm also going to put out a, a network of places where they can be charged so that we take away, for the most part, that thought of range anxiety. And I think that's worked out well for Tesla. I think one thing that the uh, Tesla people have is a sense of, I can go many places with this car and it's always going to be a charger available. I know that uh, when I was back East, uh, living back in Pittsburgh, if you drove to Washington, DC, if you drove to uh, um, uh, Cleveland, if you drove to, New York, if anywhere you drove around there, there were Tesla stations that gave you the ability to um, charge your car and do it in a quick enough manner that you would be able to, you know, go ahead and, and, and have a cup of coffee or lunch or something. You come out, your car is charged, you're ready to go another 250 miles. And a lot of people say, well, I, I, I don't want to stop. You know, I mean, let's face it. If you can contribute, if that contributes to uh, lower carbon emissions, if that contributes to uh, reversing this trend of, or not a trend, this, this, this horrific um, change in weather patterns that we see, and I don't know if it's scientifically linked up or not yet, but I know, I just know in my heart that, you know, greenhouse gases cannot be good for the environment. I mean, we've gone a million years with uh, weather patterns in a certain place. And now all of a sudden we, the last hundred, we're dumping this stuff into the atmosphere and look what's going on. I'm sure there's other contributing factors. Please don't you know, uh, start writing me and saying, oh, you know, you're, how, how could that over a certain amount of time contribute to all of this? I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I know what I see. I know what I look at. I know what I, what, what I feel. And certainly these changes in weather patterns, these things that we see uh, seem like that they could be connected to the internal combustion engine and the different things that we do in this environment to try to destroy it. I mean, it's really a simple concept. So we have the electric cars, and we'll um, we'll be talking much more about those as uh, things roll on uh, throughout the next few weeks. As I said, there's a lot of them coming down the pike. There are a number of really, um, you know, low end kind of electric cars, you know, the, the kind of the Toyota Corolla type car that the average family can get into. And then there's the, the sleek beauties, the luxury cars, the, uh, the, the, the Cadillacs, the Rolls Royces. Ferrari has even announced that they will be building an electric car. So, it's all over the place. It's coming. There's really nothing you can do about it except uh, enjoy it. And hold on to one internal combustion engine car because it'll probably be worth a lot of money someday. Or you can open up a museum. I don't think, you know, I mean, obviously they're not going to completely go away. There are still some applications where you, you're going to use uh, internal combustion engines. But for the most part, uh, they're going to, uh, you know, will be, uh, will be fully electric. And you know what? It's not a presidential thing. It's not a Biden thing. It's not a, a, a Trump thing. It's not, it's an environmental thing. It's a thing to make the planet better. And once you proved that your batteries could operate in the cold, uh, I think it was over a year ago, we brought you that test that was done 
um, in some Nordic country, I forget now, but the test proved to be that uh, these cars operate well. They tested them over a period of time, uh, operated well in cold weather. And the torque in these cars is unbelievable. I don't have to sell you on electric cars. You'll be sold by yourself. All I'm saying is there's a lot of really cool electric cars coming down the pike and they're going to be here and we will be telling you about them and we will be encouraging you uh, to look into them if you are going to buy a new car. That's um, part of the mission of the show. Uh what else is going on in the world? Well, the, the big thing in automotive this week, I think, is the continued sh uh, chip shortage uh, that looked like it might have been getting better for a while. But once the war broke out, or I should say the assault, I don't even call it a war, an, an assault on the Ukraine, uh, as we told you weeks ago, that uh, the Ukraine is one of the top producers uh, and Russia of neon, which is used in, uh, in these chips and uh, other materials that are used in these uh, chips that run everything in your car. Not just everything in your car, they run everything in your life these days. I mean, let's face it. And so what you have now is massive lots in the middle of this country. Matter of fact, not just here, it's all around the world where cars are sitting because they can't get the chips to make them work. They've assembled them. They've put them together. Uh, but they need to have that chip slid in that works for that car, and then they can deliver them. But if you own, one, uh, if you ordered or you are a dealer waiting for cars, they're still not going to get there as quickly as you thought they were. Or they're going to come without features. Heated seats being the uh, the biggest one, probably massaging seats too, which uh, I'll be sad, very sad to see go. Doesn't mean they can't update them in the future when more chips become available. But that you know Cadillac Escalade uh, that you were thinking about buying uh, is probably going to come without heated seats for the first uh, year that you own it, and maybe even longer. So that's something to consider uh, if you're either going to buy a car or you need uh, or you want to hold on to your car or you want to buy a used late model. Although, let me warn you, the used car prices, a lot of people thought they were coming down, going to start to come down, but so far, ever so slightly. And I predict that those prices will go back up again on cars with the types of features that you can't get from the factory right now. If you want a car with massaging seats or heated seats or a luxury car or something like that, those cars are still going to cost money because you won't be able to um, buy one front new from the factory. So if you, if you want to get those options, you're going to have to find a couple of year old vehicle with those options in it. And I can guarantee you that um, it's going to cost you. Hate to say it, but it is going to cost you. So uh, speaking about cars and speaking about uh, repairing them and putting things in, um, news yesterday uh, coming out from Ford, GM, and Volkswagen, all issuing recalls yesterday. Ford recalling three quarters of a million vehicles over software and fire risk issues. Volkswagen recalling more than 100,000 cars because of fire risk. Uh, the um, things that are wrong with these cars range from engine oil fires to, to um, trailer brake failures. Failing windshield wipers on the Broncos, 
Let's see, General Motors, 681, 509 of his compact SUVs. Uh, that's 2014 and 2015 Equinox and GMC Terrain. The ball joints in the windshield wipers can rust through, and the uh, ball joints in those wipers rust, which is a safety issue for owners. Uh, Ford's recall, 737,000 vehicles. Um, the compact SUV, the Escape, for 2020 to 22, and the Ford Bronco Sport with 1.5 liter engines that uh, inlines three-cylinder EcoBoost engine has a fault with the engine oil separator housing could crack, leak oil, and spark an engine fire. So far, Ford says that uh, this problem has caused eight fires. So if you own one of those vehicles, you want to make sure that it's not leaking oil. If it is leaking oil, you want to make sure that you, when the engine's not running, wipe that oil away so it doesn't get into uh, onto the manifolds or the heated parts, the, the very hot parts of the engine. Uh, the second recall for Ford, 391,000, almost 392,000 vehicles. Uh, the F-150, the most popular truck in America, uh, the 150, 250, 350, 450, Maverick Expedition, and the Lincoln Navigator has trailer brake problems. They might not break because they're broken. So you definitely want to check uh, if you own one of those vehicles, you without a doubt want to make sure that, uh, you, you know, you can go to the NHTSA website. That's the National uh, transportation safety board you can go to that uh, website and you can put your vin in i think it's also at safercar.gov if you want to use a quicker uh web address and you can recall you can check to see if your vehicle is on that recall list although you should get a uh, notice from your dealer and according to reuters volkswagen will recall 100,000 cars uh, potentially due to the risk of fire. Passat, Golf, Tiguan, Audions, uh, and Audi uh, also has to, has to do a recall. Is the risk of fire in vehicles to connect a conventional combustion engine to an electric drive, which is one of the ways that uh, these cars are hybrided. Um, I guess there's a sufficiently, insufficiently, I should say, insulated high-voltage battery in these uh, vehicles. And so uh, the inadequate fastening can cause uh, contact with hot parts and to fire. 16 cases reported in Germany. Once again, VW, Audi uh, in the United States, Seat and Skoda in Europe are the vehicles that are affected. So you may, uh, if you own one of these cars, certainly, want to uh want to check that out and make sure that uh, your car is not on that list and if it is uh, make an appointment to get it into the dealer as quickly as possible um a couple of interesting stories uh, that i ran across this week uh this is one that might be a couple of years old but i'm just so fascinated with uh, this guy taking things into his own hands, taking a problem and putting it into his own hands that uh, I, I wanted to tell you about the story because, you know, we always hear stories about people who try to get something out of the government and for whatever reason, they can't. For whatever reason, it, the, the government is slow to react, right? We all know stories about that. Well, this cat down in L.A., there's a freeway down in L.A., and we were talking about this with Michael yesterday, um, that goes to Pasadena, and it, it was built, I, mean, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is America's first freeway. And um, so this, this freeway is so old that you have to get on to the Pasadena, this is in Los Angeles, to get onto the uh, exit ramp, to get onto the Pasadena freeway, uh, it is a left to go to I-5. It's right at the junction of the 101 North. 
and I-5, so you get off to go that way. Uh, but it's so old that they put this exit on the left, and they've never changed it. So people get onto this freeway and exit before, two exit four, before, are always jockeying over to get into, I believe you come out of a tunnel there, too, and you, they're always jockeying to get over, it creates a, and nobody, there's no, there was no sign there to tell people that that's how you got to I-5. So uh, this guy, Richard Ankrum, he's an artist down in Los Angeles. He takes that road every day. He called up the Caltrans and said, hey, you know what? There's a problem here. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing that. They're moving over. It's causing accidents. Bada boom, you know? Yeah, we'll take care of it. A month goes by, two months go by, three months go by. Nothing happens. So Richard is an artist. So he says, he says to himself, you know what? I'm going to take matters into my own hands. So he goes and he paints a traffic sign that looks exactly like the interstate I-5 signs. And one night he goes out, he gets uh, onto the, the sign that, that hangs on the uh, overpass where you would move over to get onto the uh, I-5. And he, <laughs> he gets out there in the middle of the night and he puts up a sign with an arrow on the, on the big sign. He painted it. He did it. Boom. Puts it up there. All of a sudden, cars now can see where they have to go, right? Nobody says anything. It's up there two months, three months, four months. Finally, five, six months, maybe seven months after he puts the sign up, he... Uh, Somebody notices that it's not an official Caltrans sign. And so I guess he called, you know, once they notice it, it makes a news story. He calls up the news. He tells them where it is. And I guess they replaced it with a regular official sign. Although I don't know why they had to spend the money. The thing was doing the job. But I just, I was so enamored of this cat who just went out and did you know, I mean, he took the law into his own, not the law, but he took the problem into his own hands. So instead of waiting for Caltrans to do this, I'll get up there and do it myself. I have the means, I know what I'm doing. And I mean, he, I was reading the story about this guy. I mean, he color matched the sign. Nobody could tell it wasn't a real sign until Cal, some Caltrans engineer looked at it. So kudos to this guy. Richard Ankrum down in Los Angeles, taking matters into your own hands and doing something about it. A lot of us always complain, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, me included. I mean, where I live, they put up these ridiculous no parking signs um, on a street that there's no traffic. There's no reason that nobody should park there. There's, there's that anybody shouldn't park there. It's, it's just, it's, it's because I guess the public works crew needed something to do one day. And I've said for a year now that I'm going to go down to City Hall and we get these signs taken away because there's no reason for them to be there. But have I gone down this? I made a one phone call. I made, you know, a couple of inquiries, but I haven't stayed on it. That's my bad. But now Richard has inspired me a bit to, uh, to do what I need to do to get these signs taken. I see these signs, you can't just cut them down. I mean, then you're destroying city property. But there's no reason for them to be there. So if there's a problem in your neighborhood, hey, follow Richard's uh, example here and take it on yourself. Do a little something. Get off your butt. Do something. I know I need to, and I hope you do too. Let's uh, find out what's happening today in our uh, producer and engineer's um, great life. Nathan is our producer, and he... Uh, he leads such a fantastic life. I live now my life vicariously many times through Nathan because he's young, he's handsome, and uh, he's smart. Three things that I never really got to be in my life. Good morning, Nathan. How are you? Good morning, Finney. I'm doing great. Uh, good, good, good. Um, how was your week, Nathan? Well, that was a bit of a roller coaster, I would say. I'm doing great, but the car 
it's seen better days. Uh, you just, put new tires on it, and then you, and, and it gets banged up. Yeah, what, isn't it funny how the that? universe just, you know, gives you something good and then just bounces out? Then it works in the other way. You know, something bad happens, and then something good happens. Well, in this case, earlier this week, I got my car sideswiped in a parking lot. Somebody was oh, backing oh. out of the parking space and turned their wheel a little bit too soon, and their fender on their Jeep or whatever it was went right into the side of my vehicle, and caused quite a few scratches and put a dent in uh, the door, a small dent. Took out took out the side of your baby, huh? Yeah, but luckily it's fixable. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah, most parking lot dents, and, and I, I'm thinking nobody was hurt, right? Oh, no. Uh, I wasn't in the vehicle, and, of course, you know, they were just parking or pulling out of their space, so they were probably moving, you know, three miles per hour tops. And just yeah. notice, wait, something doesn't feel right as I'm backing out and they hear some noises, get out of their car and, oop, there's a car next to me. Uh, That's pretty so, much from what I understand what happened. Where do you go from here now? I guess uh, you get, uh, they'll contact their insurance, you'll contact your insurance, and uh, hopefully your car will get fixed uh, to your liking. You, you picked out a body shop or anything yet? Well, it's not their insurance right now. They filed a claim with their insurance program, and so they're going to get in contact with me and just kind of let me know the situation, what I need to do next, and where we can take it. Did take it over to a collision center to get a quote, and it was definitely a lot more than I was expecting, that's for sure. Right, yeah, And that's well, part of the, the reason why we're going with the insurance is uh, the person thought, oh, it's just some scratches and a ding. We'll, we'll pay it out of pocket. Well, yeah. got the quote. It was a verbal estimate, too, so, you know, it's nothing official. They just kind of take a quick peek at the car. Guy takes a look around, and it's like, yeah, guesstimate. And I'm here thinking, oh, it's probably going to be 500 to $1,000. <laughs> and he's like, $2,500, probably at least, maybe more. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I called the guy, and he had the same reaction. And so we thought about it and then decided, yeah, we're going to be making an insurance claim on this. Yeah, there's there's not much these days that you can do in a body shop for under uh, five hundred to a thousand dollars. I mean, to paint, uh, you know, w when I owned a body shop way back when, when I was an insurance adjuster um, and did those things. I mean, you know, if, if somebody wiped out the side of a car, you would talk about fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred bucks, maybe if you replaced all new parts. Nowadays. Um, you know, to pay the whole car back then was maybe a thousand bucks. Now it's it's almost ten grand to paint the whole car if you do it if you're doing it right with the two stage paint and everything, and um, you know replacement parts are whacked out uh, if you can if you can get them, uh, and you know materials and the cost of disposing materials, which was never taken into consideration in those days, now is taken into consideration. So you have. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, body shops um, put a lot of um, environmental hazards into the air. And so they have to pay costs to mitigate those now that they never used to have to. So it definitely, um, you know, it, it, it definitely is uh, why part of the problem of why uh, the prices are so much. Uh, but a couple of things, Nathan, and I, and I say this to you because I want everybody to know about this. Number one, uh, with the insurance company, you have the right to have your car repaired wherever you want. Don't let them steer you into a particular shop. Um, it, it's just so important that you, especially because you weren't at fault, uh, you know, they'll, they're, they're going to try to push you down, you know, push the price down, do it as cheaply as possible. Uh, you don't want that. You want your car restored uh, by an expert. Uh, there's somebody that knows how to restore that car uh, as, as, you know, as, as to new condition. I mean, you keep that car in good condition. It's not a junk wagon. So definitely check out body shops, ask people that you know, who does good work, look at the reviews, uh, because especially on uh, a, a Mazda, uh, the cars, the colors on the car can be hard to match. 
And the last thing you want to do is be driving around a car that has two different colors on it. Right. You <laughs> like know, you see I on mean, the road with some vehicles these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, who hasn't seen a car going down the street with a fender, even in slightly a different color? Because color matching is such a skill. Mm-hmm. And when I, the picture you showed me in the car, it doesn't look like there's structural damage or anything like that. I don't think you have a bed frame. I don't think you have, uh, you know, any, any kind of stuff like that. It's a relatively minor accident, but still, you want your car returned to the proper condition. So, I, you know, I, 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 the two things I suggest is don't let the insurance company steer you into uh, a, a place. And number two, when the adjuster wants to see the car, select the shop that you want and have the adjuster, the appraiser, go out and look at the car at the body shop and let the body shop owner and the appraiser or the guy who runs the body shop does the estimating, uh, look at it together. It'll save you so much time in the end because when you go out to look at a car, especially if you're looking at the street or in a parking lot, the appraiser can't see everything. If it's at the body shop and they need to put it up on a jack, if they need to remove something, if they need to show something under a molding or something like that, they can do it right at the body shop. The expert that's going to fix your car and the expert that the insurance company sends out can go over the car together and say, boom, boom, it needs this, I can fix this, it needs this, I can fix this, this we need to do, boom, 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 and come to some kind of agreement right there, as opposed to the haggling back and forth that can go on uh, between an appraiser, or, or if it gets, you know, a lot of times these companies use independent appraisers, appraiser will go out, they'll look at your car, they'll take the pictures and everything, and you know, there's a lag time between that and the time they negotiate with the body shop. So you should leave, you know, make sure that you have your car looked at at a body shop with, you know, if, if preferably with the person who's going to repair your car. But if it's not with the person that's going to repair your car, if for some reason you're not undecided, at least take it to some body shop um, that's a reputable body shop and ask if you can have the adjuster look at the car, the appraiser look at the car with the, uh, with the uh, body shop guy so that you can you have an expert on your side looking at the, unless you're an expert on auto body repairs, I don't know. But if you're not, you should, without a doubt, take advantage of that and use that, that tool. Otherwise, I guarantee you. The other thing that happens too is if you let the adjuster look at your car without it being at a body shop and it needs supplemental repairs, which means there's more damage than they saw when they wrote the estimate out. Now the body shop wants to get paid for repairing it. Some companies will not let the repair proceed until they send the appraiser back out to look at it. Some body shops will just let the, uh, some uh, insurance companies will just let the body shop take a picture of it, send it in, tell them what it is, but it, it depends. And I just think that, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, and I've, and I've been doing this kind of stuff for a long time, that can cause an extra delay in you getting your car back from the body shop because they're going to need it. Uh, you know, the damage I saw in your uh, case, I mean, it's probably going to be four days, five days. If you have to wait for an adjuster to come back out, sometimes that can be, you know, two or three days right there. So all of a sudden, your car is go. You know, your car is there longer than it needs to be. So, oh, that's a couple of tips, Nate. And I, and I wanted to put it out because they're not just for you, but anybody that gets into an accident. You know, it, it, don't let the insurance company. And I noticed is a you know a friend of yours, and you know the people or something like that. But the insurance company doesn't look at it like that. The insurance company looks at the cold hard numbers. And you need to, you know, you need to have somebody on your side, like the lawyers always say, <laughs> you know, when you're, when, when you're making sure that your car gets repaired, right? I mean, it's not a piece of junk. It's a, it's, it's your baby, right? 
Yeah, and this is all very good information because this is a first-time incident for me and the person that, you know, swiped my car. So we're both learning this as we go, and this is really handy to know because it's some stuff that I probably never would have thought of, or maybe it's like, yeah, I definitely need to do that. Well, we, we used to have a rule, in, in, and again, you know, it's been a long time since I've been an appraiser, uh, but we used to have a rule. If you looked at a car in the street, you lowballed it because chances are, if you looked at it in the street, the guy that owned the car either wasn't going to get it repaired or, you, or uh, you know, it may be a long time before it gets it repaired or, or whatever. But if you look at it in the street, you, you write as little as possible. You write to repair items that maybe need replacement. Uh, because you're not looking to put a fat check in somebody's pocket uh, that's just going to keep the check and not fix the car. It's where you can save the insurance company some money. If you go and you look at it at a body shop, the body shop owner or uh, you know, guy who writes the estimates, the estimated, the manager, whatever, is going to go over that car with you. And he's going to say, I need this, I need this. And you feel confident in paying that body shop what the job is worth. I mean, you may try to lowball them a little bit. Uh, that's, you know, justification for your job. But at the very least, you need to, uh, you, you know, you, you need to have, again, you need to have somebody on your side that knows what they're doing. There's not many people that know about auto body repairs. I mean, you may have an uncle that knows a lot about changing a fan belt or, you know, an oil filter or something like that. But when it comes to auto body repairs, uh, you really need to have somebody advocating for you, making sure that uh, wheels aren't damaged. You know, you know, just, just getting the car back to where it was before its previous condition. And so that's why, again, the easiest thing for you to do is to take it, you know, take it to a reputable body shop and, you know, go from there. Uh, and I will also say that it's, it's always a good idea. I think to, to not take the car to a dealer is to take the car to uh, an independent body shop uh, that, that knows what they're doing. That's actually uh, kind of something that I did at the beginning stages of, you know, figuring out like how we're going to go about getting this car fixed is I took it to the Mazda dealer. I said, Hey, I uh, called him up and said, do you do uh scratch repair and dent removal and stuff like that they said yeah we can take a look at your car we have a guy who comes to our shop like an independent person and we contract him and we'll meet you at the dealership and they took a look at it the guy came down examined my car a little bit and he said yeah this is going to be really too much for me to fix uh here is a business card for a collision center that we recommend at the dealership to take your car to and that's where i got to the point where i am right now yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's uh, uh and again, I'll I'll uh, it, uh, we'll we'll move on from this because I know we we spent a lot of time on it, but I think it's it's good information for anybody that gets into an accident. So it's not just you, but anybody when your car gets into an accident, there's certain things you have to remember, certain things you have to know. You're at a time when you're upset, uh, because either the accident or somebody got hurt or. Whatever reason, your car got hurt, you know, your, your car's your baby. If it gets hurt, you, uh, you know, it's easy to flip out over it. So those are the things that I think that everybody needs to remember about, uh, about their vehicle when you get into an accident. You need to control the situation and the insurance company. And if you can't, uh, for whatever reason, then you need to have somebody who can. You don't need a lawyer to do it. You need somebody that knows about cars. You know, that that's what, and if you have injuries, that's a whole different story, but you don't have injuries. You're just advocating to get your car back to the shape it was before. And, and those are some tips from somebody who's been in the business and did that kind of work and knows, knows what's going on. And so uh, good luck with that, Nate. And is there a question you want to ask me? I, I can't believe we're at, uh, what time it is already. We've been uh, sitting here rapping and flapping. But you would certainly want to ask me a question, don't you? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? 
How did I know that? Oh, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. What am I driving this week? I'll tell you what I'm driving, Nathan. <laughs> I'm driving the, uh... oh, man. I've been talking so long, I actually lost my place on my computer. I've been driving the, uh, the Chevrolet Tahoe Z71. Now, you want to talk about a uh, big, beefy, meaty vehicle. This is it. It's not the biggest. The Suburban is the biggest. But the Chevy Tahoe uh, that I'm driving this week, V8-powered, it's got a 400-horsepower engine in it, comfortable. I mean, this is like driving a couch down the street. Uh, versatile in that it has enormous room for cargo, enormous room for people. These are the cars that you see the Secret Service use. They put the president in this thing. I mean, it's a huge car and um, or truck, really. And what they've done is they've given you a third row seat in here uh, that people can actually fit in. You can actually get in that third row if you're an adult and comfortably drive wherever you're going, whether it's around the block, across the street, or cross country. It's an amazing vehicle. It is, um, uh, there are so many wonderful uh, attributes to this vehicle if you are, you know, a, looking for a big people mover. That's what this is. This is not a small, you know, kind of crowded personal car. This is a car that you use if you have a big family. This is a car that you use if you tow a trailer or you tow a boat or you tow something up to a cabin. Now with the Z71 package, as you can see in the front in the picture here, you look down below and you can see the front skid plates. You can see the raised height on this thing. You can see that this is built to go off-road. If you uh, listened to my review earlier in the year, well, last year, about the uh, Chevy Z71 pickup, same package, same idea, just on a different truck, on a, an enclosed truck instead of a pickup. And uh, the truck really, now I haven't taken it off-road. I'm going to do that this weekend. I haven't taken it up into the mountains yet. But it feels like it'll get you wherever you want to go, comfortably and in style. Uh, this uh, for Chevy for 2022 has put the uh, a Google system in there. So you have uh, a Google Maps and everything. And so far in just um, driving it back and forth uh, around town, perfect. Uh, the system works really well. It has a, a Wi-Fi hotspot that I did the show in yesterday on uh, the OnStar system, I think is the best system in a vehicle that you can get uh, for emergencies, for information. You can hit that OnStar button and ask it OnStar. I need to go to um, Mike's Chili Parlor and it'll send it right to your dashboard, the directions to Mike Chili Parlor, Mike's Chili Parlor. Uh, wherever you want to go, this vehicle will get you there. And... Um, and it has plenty of gumption uh, to get up to speed on the highway. And again, it's huge. I mean, you really do feel like uh, you can, you, you know, you're king of the road when you're driving this thing. So uh, that's our, our Yovini. What are you driving this week? Uh, more pictures of it online uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, matter of fact, we have a new, a new Facebook page. Uh, Yovini, what are you driving this week that you can actually just plug into and see the car? that I'm driving this week and little updates that I put on it as well. All right, we'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. Uh, we have our- uh, Let's just do the cartoon now. Oh, you want to do the yeah. cartoon? Yeah, let's Starting to get about cartoon. 12 minutes left in the show. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do the cartoon right now. Uh, this was a gentleman who, uh, a country artist who was very, very uh, popular uh, in the uh, 90s or the 2000s really, and then decided one day uh, that uh, he was going to quit country music and become a police officer down in Tennessee. And he did just that. But before he um, became a police officer, when he was a country music, he did a great, uh, a great job, had, a, had a, uh, a couple of hits. One, this actual video for this song won the uh, country music video of the year. His name is Jeff Carson. He passed away 
earlier this week, and I thought we'd pay tribute to him, uh, both as an artist and a policeman, by making his song, uh, The Car, uh, our cartoon of the week. Late Jeff Carson, uh, our weekly cartoon here on Drive Time Radio, passed away uh, earlier this week of a heart attack uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, was a member of the Franklin Police Department for several years. As I said before, he quit country music and decided he wanted to be a law enforcement officer. And uh, from some of the stuff I read about him, uh, he was a well-loved and well-respected officer uh, down in Franklin, Tennessee. So our, uh, our hearts go out to his wife and his children and uh, the family and uh, to all uh, the police officers down there who seem to have lost uh, a, a trusted uh, and valued uh, officer from their force and uh, a loss to country music. He was just kind of getting back into his career at, over the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, I believe one of his records had just uh, started charting again. Uh, Carson was 58 years old, much too young for a talent like that and a public servant like that to be uh, taken away from us. All right, time now for the Drive Time Road Test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ah, yes, the Drive Time Road Test this week is the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trailhawk. Oh, do I love this vehicle. This um, two roads, only the Trailhawk is only available in two row, uh, two row configuration. You don't have the four. It's a six cylinder, 3.6 liter V6. Uh, let's talk about walking around on the outside first. I love the styling of this vehicle. It's the high roof. Uh, the doors uh, are wide and give you a lot of room to get in and out of. Uh, the back is, uh, the hatch in the back is easily openable it gives you plenty of room back there because it just has the two seats and i think it's a an excellent vehicle 293 horsepower 260 pound feet of torque uh you know it's not the 5.7 liter hemi hemi uh that cranks out 357 but this engine is uh, will will give you 6200 pounds of towing capacity so you can haul just about anything uh, that you want to haul. Plus, it comes standardly with the Quadra Drive uh, 2 four-wheel drive system and the limited slip rear. So, and this one has what the, uh, one of the features I really loved about the Wrangler, which was uh, the quad, uh, the um, air suspension, the Quadra Lift air suspension. So you can get this thing up to, uh, when you have the 18-inch uh, wheels on it, uh, you can get it up to the same or close to the same ground clearance as you would get in a Wrangler. So it'll take you far away off-road uh, to where you want to go. Eight-speed automatic transmission is easily, um, you know, you get the little dial A, put it in what gear you want to put it in. It's very logical. And uh, I thought uh, excellent response, excellent braking, everything you want in a highway vehicle. Now let's go inside the vehicle where it is luxurious. I mean, it's really, a, it, it, it matches up the ruggedness you want with the um, with the luxury that you want. It's the perfect vehicle uh, to get you to that faraway place where nobody can find you, but get you there in luxury. I really enjoyed the entertainment system in this vehicle. And, what, and one of the things I really liked about it is that uh, as an option on this vehicle, uh, there is a screen that goes in front of the passenger. And the passenger can, you can say, okay, uh, let's go find the closest uh, uh, BP station. And the passenger can input into the uh, into their screen, where's the closest, boom, 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 hit it, and it'll come up in front of the passenger, and then they can transfer that right over to the big screen, the, the large screen, it's in the middle of the vehicle. And boom, you have it right there. 
So you're not fumbling around playing with the keyboard while you're driving. And even though you're not supposed to do that, we all know that you do do it. So the passenger can now take on the responsibility of doing that. And I think that that's, uh, that's a, a great thing. You can't see that screen from drive from the driver's position. So even if they're watching a movie, which they can do because there's an HDMI uh, plug that you can plug a device into, uh, as well as Bluetooth, uh, you can't see the screen. You would have to uh, get all the way over to their position to see it. And even then, it's still hard to see. So... As I said, the uh, the 10.1-inch entertainment system screen and plus uh, the other uh, screen that's in front of the uh, the passenger where the dash is, uh, is an option. I think it costs about uh, $2,000 together. And if you're buying this type of vehicle, it really uh, is worth it. It's worth it to have uh, that per, you know, your passenger help you out. This vehicle was also uh, had the uh, ProTech group, we had the parking sensors, uh, all the safety equipment that you want. As I said, the detachable sway bar, which if you're going deep off-road, you want that. You want uh, that. It had the dual pane sunroof in it, and uh, just really, uh, and a a very impressive uh, coloring scheme on the hood. So everything works on this vehicle for me i think it's one of the best off-road vehicles out there i know sometimes the uh, uh jeep grand cherokee suffers uh and all jeeps suffer through a little bit of uh you know quality issues but it's still a vehicle worth looking at if you can deal with that especially if you only keep a vehicle a couple of years this really may be the way to go the msrp on this thing uh with destination $60,645. It gets, I believe, 19 to 19 to the uh, gallons uh, in the city, 19 MPG, 26 on the highway. I will tell you that it's hard-pressed to get that. You have to drive with a feather foot uh, to get that. But it really does a great job of all of that. So the, Greek, uh, the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trailhawk, uh, a spectacular off-road vehicle. If you're taking the family up into the hills to get away from everybody else, this is the vehicle that will get you there and get you back. That's going to wrap it up for Drive Time this week. I thank you so very much for listening. Hope you got some information out of the show. Thank you to George Jackson Promotions for helping this show uh, exist on the air. And, of course, to my good friend Keith Slater for doing the same. We thank you very much for listening. Check us out online at uh, on our facebook page and uh, we will see you next week at eight o'clock on saturday morning if the lord's willing and the creek don't rise have a good week